Tim, episode 11 of season two of Sasso Matter. We're going to call this one the one where you get to know us. Because when we started this podcast, we had a conversation. A couple guys drinking beers, talking sports. Along the way, we got political. We weren't. We got political again. We weren't. We got political a third time. We weren't. We went through postseasons. We, we championships, two Super Bowls, all kinds of crazy stuff. But I realized that all the people in India that are downloading our episodes don't really know who we are. And in fact, most people in America don't really know who we are. So we got to get to know each other. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into our beers for this week. And then we're going to do some rapid fire questions. None of this like, oh, what's your favorite color bullshit? We're going to actually get some good down in the weeds sports questions. You'll get to know the both of us. I think, I think that's what we should do tonight. Oh, great. I mean, I'm, I'm here for that, man. Let's go. All right. This is also really weird. You can't see it because the video is not up, but this is the first time Tim and I both have obnoxiously sized headphones on our head. Mm. Somehow Tim's are bigger than mine and psychology, something. I don't know. I'm not taking it personally. I'm just saying that. No, it's just, <laughs> it's a weird thing. Anyways, go get stats on matter wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks for all the love and support thus far and tim let's crack these beers and let's get into the show let's go welcome everybody tim when you lived in maine did you, did mm. you live in Saco? uh i lived in bitterford for a short period of time but never uh never Saco. uh yeah. one of my best friends uh growing up did bitterford is a is a, a Saco bitterford is a really unique I don't want to call them a, a Twin Cities account, right? I mean, they, they do share the river right there, but there's something that's super interesting about Bitterford. Um, not necessarily in the fact that there's like, you know, Happy Dragon or <laughs> Banded Brewing Co. or, yeah. you know, the, the, the mill over there, run of the mill, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot of really good things and a lot of good people in Bitterford, mate. And as I happened to be getting beer the other day, I saw this beer from Blaze Brewing Co., which, of course, you know, is from Bangor, Maine. But on the side of that, they said, Brewed in Bitterford, Maine. I don't know if they got like a like a contract brewing situation going out there. I do like Blaze Brewing's beers. I just had to see this, and I mean, I mean, how often do you get this to, to say that you have a beer from Bitterford? You know what I mean? I don't really get a chance to exercise to guess, that main accent. If I had to guess, it's probably a contract brewed from uh, Bandit Bandit Horton Brewing. Funny story. I think six degrees of separation. I served in the military with someone who was a main investor in Bandit Brewing Company. Super <laughs> weird. Super weird. Way, way back when someone was like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy knows Bandit, you know, he's pretty tight with Bandit Brewing Company. I'm like, Bandit Brewing Company? Like, because that was when they were Bandit Horn. I was like, who the hell is Bandit Horn? That was like <laughs> when Bissell and Foundation and Austin Street, were, like those were getting all the hype. And this guy was like, yeah, I don't know about you, dude, but Bandit, Bandit can hold their own against all these places. I'm like, you are speaking heresy. And then the first time I went to the the banded uh, brewing right there in the Pepperell Mill in downtown Biddeford, I was like, okay, all right, this this is legit. This is serious. So this beer is a pale ale. It's called Interchangeable, 5.5%. Um, ever since you gave that awesome rousing label talk from Skygazer the other day, there's just right. nothing I, like, beer companies need to step up. They need to put some more stories in the back of their their uh their labels here but as you can see you know nice and opaque looks a little looks thin for a good pale ale it's nice and hazy yeah. and 
I like the can art. I, I do like the plate, the blaze symbol. Anyways, it looks like a like a matchstick, but it's got a little flame around it. It's pretty good. You got this nice pastel color here, looking like maybe some comic book vibes back in the day. Let's see. Okay, grassy. That's not usually what you get in pale ales, right? Usually you're getting kind of more of that malt and. Um, I don't want to say it has like a metallic -y or a rusty kind of taste, but you know how Session IPA is kind of like that sometimes. I like the grassiness on this. It's nice and smooth. Very, very easy to drink. Got a little bit of bitter aftertaste. It, it doesn't really drink like a pale ale. Um, I don't mind it. I'm going to give it a 3.8. Wow. All right. It looks very yellow on my end. Yeah. Yeah, no, that it, makes it, sense. It, it's like bright. Yeah, it, it's sort of like what you would expect like a lemony beer to look like, but it tastes like really kind of grassy or maybe like a, like a cloudy Pilsner. Not bad. Yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> so I'm trying to keep uh, in tune with, you know, what I originally set out to do when we started this was to highlight some uh, big local favorites. Some of the local breweries that are close by that people may or may not have ever heard of. Uh, most people in Connecticut will have heard of uh, Beard Brewing, which is where this one's from. They're all over the place. They're in all the restaurants. They distribute pretty widely. Um, but this is one. It's in Southington. Uh, sorry, Stonington. Not too far from where I live. But um, they're pretty. They're a pretty solid brewery. I would put them up there with, uh, you know, like somewhere in the middle to top tier of those sort of like second tier breweries, which isn't an insult. Um, I'm talking about like the ones that everybody knows about down here, the ones that everybody's chasing after, like the Fox farm and, and so on. Beard is one of those that um, every now and again, they'll put out one that I absolutely am obsessed with. And then other ones where I'm like, all right, well, that's pretty good, but you know, not one I, I, I seek out afterwards. So this one I've never had before. It's called, have you seen my binder? Uh, it is a double dry hop <laughs> New England IPA. I did have a founders, uh, sorry, a foundation brewing. Um, it was a French toast stout that I was going to do today, but, uh, I did one last night. I was going to drink one last night and I stuck it in the freezer a smidge Ooh. too long. Well, oh boy. so I got it and it was not the coldest beer. I was like, all right, I'm just going to chill it in the, the freezer for a second while I do bedtime for my son. And then my son was so restless, he didn't get to sleep for like an hour and a half. He had a very busy day yesterday and was all excited. We went down to the aquarium. Uh, was that, he had a hard time like calming himself down. So by the time I came down, it actually turned to sludge. Um, I tried to drink it anyway. I think it kind of threw off what my expectations of the beer were. So I decided to... To not review it in good faith because I think it's a better beer than what I treated it as yesterday. So we're Clean getting another IPA. Yeah, we're getting oh, another. Yeah. Uh, we're getting another IPA. So, and again, shout out. You can't really see it because it's not a video, but we're both wearing brewery T-shirts. I'm wearing Wheatland Spring Farm Brewery uh, out of Virginia, and Tim's repping the rapping hometown, the home team, and repping the Black Hog. Yeah. The shirts, the shirts, uh, one of the couple of my have is their easy rider shirt. Oh, very nice. They make a, uh, a rye IPA. Mm -hmm. They tweak the recipe as of 
the last year or two. Uh, but it was always an interesting beer. I'm not a big rag guy, so not my favorite from them. But their can logo for Ginger Ninja, if you ever see it, is phenomenal. Seen it. Yep. Yep. Um, I'll, drink, I'll have one of those on the show one time just to talk about it and tell the story because it's a pretty cool story behind that beer. But That also doesn't I'm, look very... Well, that, that's kind of a muted color. It's not as bright as um, mine. So but Some of that is... I'll send you a picture of it because some of that I think is... The lighting. The, the way the video is coming across because it... I mean, it does look pretty solid. I decided to to try and step up my lighting game because your lighting is usually pretty good. Mine is subpar. So I made sure that when I went out in my travels that I found one of these big makeup vlog lighting cam stands. You know what I mean? If it's good yeah. enough for the, for the IG reels and to get Instagram likes, it's probably good enough <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So what you don't know is Sam starting a secondary podcast for... Uh... <laughs> You know, like skincare and 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 beard care. <laughs> Swipe up for ten percent right. off. <laughs> Cheers. Right. It's um, it's good. A lot of, a lot of like bitter, little citrusy, little sweet coming through. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's not quite what I was expecting to come out of here, but there's a lot of flaked oats in here. So it's, it's got that like pillowy soft sort of mouthfeel. It was a little bit of that sort of like oatmeal flavor to it or that like grainy flavor to it, but there's not a lot of, I, I, I think over the years, New England IPAs have been tainted as far as what the flavor profile you get when you think of one is. And everyone thinks of the big ones. Treehouse, Trillium, all those where it's just over the top fruit right in your face. So we go into one of those, you're thinking every single time, oh, this is going to be some fruity-esque, you know, back-end flavored beer. And I don't get that a lot on this one. I was actually, I was looking to try and see what it is that's in here because it doesn't, it doesn't list on here. It just says New England IPA and I'm trying to figure out what these hops are and I can't quite figure it out. Here's the... This one has a, another long description on the side of it. Jesus, you did it again. I know. You got you know, like, <clears throat> what, did you go to the library of beers and you just like grabbed a whole bunch of them that had, like, this is what I have to do now. I have to now go looking for not only can art to make good IG, you know, uh, posts, but I got to have a bibliography too. Like, what is this, Tim? How many, I know, how right? many sources do I need to cite? What is this? Hold on. What, how do you, how do you do the warm ups again before you go on stage? Wow. Yep. All right, I'm going to try to read this. <clears throat> if you've ever had the opportunity to check out our brewing area, you may have noticed the binders sprinkled across the space. Each one contains its open, its own super cool but top secret information like MSDS sheets, event details, water profiles, and recipes. And these go missing or get moved three feet away. You can really hit the fan. Have you seen my binder uses loads of flaked oats? And wheat for a clean pillow, uh, clean pillow, soft mouthfeel. <laughs> Call it so almost like I read the can before, which almost. I did. Yeah, uh, allegedly. We then double dry hop the beer with copious amounts of two experimental hop varietals for an in-your-face tropical fruit experience. So, um, totally agree with the pillowy mouthfeel. It is very soft. Tastes uh, get a little bit of that sort of grainy oatmeal-y. Sort of flavor to it, but I don't get a lot of the like tropical fruit to it. 
Um, that, that's not to say it's, it's bad. Do you think that's because like your palate's already conditioned to like you said earlier, like over the top fruited beers or or beers that have hop flavors that 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 exhibit a lot of like fruit tendencies? You know what? That is a phenomenal conversation. We should open the podcast with because. Beer is obviously a very you know big part of our lives, and I want to have a conversation about that. So let me rate this, and mm. then we're going to dive into that because I got one hundo. I got a, a little bit of a bone to pick with craft beer enthusiasts uh, abound. But anyway, um, to say that I don't get the over the top tropical fruit doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad beer. I, I, I really like this one. It's just not quite what I was expecting. It's a little bit more on the bitter side does have a little bit of that like harsh bite on the end of it you know if they don't either condition long enough they got, it it's not like overly boozy it's only seven percent but it still feels like a little bit higher content something just didn't mellow out on there so i'm gonna give this one a three seven um it's a, still a good beer not my favorite that they've put out um there are a couple other dogs and boats is one from them that uh you should what seek out. Name. That one's pretty good. Um, I, there's another one. I think it's called like Hobbit House or, or or something like that. That one's worth finding as well. This one's this one's not bad. I'd love to know what these uh, experimental variety uh, hops are because um, are those like the are, HB um, HBC six oh nine or five forty five forty eight. It doesn't. Ooh. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't say on there, so I don't know. It just says uh, experimental I, varietals. So how do we know it's not experimental? Like they didn't just <laughs> leave the hops in a bag somewhere in the back of the brew house. We're like, oh, right? do, do we label this? Is it mosaic? Is it cry? Like, oh, I don't know. Like, like, oh, let's, throw it in. let's just let's just mix it together and throw it in. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a good. I mean, it's a good beer. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not disappointed by it at all. But I, I would say three seven. All right, good stuff. Good stuff from Blaze and Beer Brewing. Two Bs. Uh, so go, go out and find these beers, especially if you're in the main area. You're going to find Blaze at a lot of places you go into anyways. They have a, a kitchen and brew house in Bangor. That's that's for all the people who live around here who don't know how to say it, but it's Bangor because there's an O in it uh, in Bangor, Maine. And yeah, beer, Stonington, Connecticut. I'm sure there's a lot of like those beers. And this is probably you know parlaying into the conversation we're trying to have anyways. I think there's a lot of beers, especially in the IPA scale. I think you remember like where you first jumped into the craft beer foray, and then you remember the first IPA you had, right? So, yeah. like for me, the first like actual IPA that I that I had, I think was Fry's Leap from Sebago, and I just remember that being like the most metallicy, like bitter beer, and I loved it at the time. Um, I, I just I just loved it. You know, Shipyard obviously they make a lot of British style like ales and shipyard export was a very, very, you know, huge beer that I drank a lot of in college, like magic hat number nine, a lot of muted flavor profiles. And then a lot of like super over the top bitter. So then yeah. when like the new England IPA explosion happened, I mean, really what happened is that like the Northeastern state said, we don't want to make clear, hoppy, resiny, piney beers. We want to make beers that are palatable and that are available to many people. So we're going to just yep. hop the shit out of them and they're going to have these fruit characteristics. And I mean, it hit, it really did. Now for every good or great brewery that does a new England IPA, there's about 70 that don't, <laughs> that's just the reality yeah. of it. Right. So then like 
everywhere you go, someone's like, oh, I, I have a hazy IPA on tap. And all that really means is that they just they just strain the beer over another round of hops and they, and they get the lupulin powder and they just kind of make it cloudy. You know what I mean? Like, or they try and triple or quadruple dry hop. But like some people just don't know exactly what they're doing. And I, I mean, you and I have been drinking craft beer for a long time. So like I'm kind of swinging back the other way now. I'm kind of got, I got the appreciation for more of the West Coast IPAs. Don't get me wrong. Love a hazy. Absolutely. I'm drinking one right now. There will be a spot in my heart for hazies until the day I die. But I can really appreciate a super clear, bitter beer like Pliny the Elder the same way I can appreciate Substance, the same way I can appreciate Julius, the same way I can appreciate uh, Four Point. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's very weird how that the pendulum swung so violently left to right. Uh, yeah. In fact, it's what what's sort of on the other side of that. And this is the bone I have to pick is that one thing you tend to see over and over and over again is sort of the fickle short-term memory that um, those who drink beer have where a beer comes out, it's the shit. Everybody's waiting in line to get it. It's difficult to get. Um, eventually, Another brewery opens up, other beers come out, people kind of migrate, move on to that, or a facility grows a little bit bigger. Uh, whatever the case may be, the beer becomes more readily available. Every single time, there are two things that happen. The moment a beer becomes a little bit more readily available, suddenly everybody talks about the quality falling off. Yeah. First of all, these guys are following, uh, as we just read, Notebooks with recipes that are literally dialed in the precise measurements down to pH balances of water, original gravity, times, gra like all of that stuff goes into it. So they can hand a recipe book off to somebody else and it might take them a couple of times to dial in that recipe, but it's not like the original brewery is drastically different as they scale it up. That's not the case. You, the other thing that happens is like a year or two go by, people are all into whatever the latest craze is, whether it's Treehouse or Other Half or whatever. They'll go back and they'll try one of those other beers and they'll just be like, oh my God, it's garbage. It's falling off. So like you're seeing it a lot with Treehouse now. Now that Treehouse's facility is so large, they could distribute pretty much wherever they want to. They don't. They still keep it in-house. Everyone's like, oh, the quality is, it's not the same anymore. It's different. No, no. What's happening is that people are discovering how to push the flavor profile of hops a little further and a little further and a little further. When I worked at Black Hog, one of the conversations we had there was that people still don't really understand how hops work in the brewing process. Is it the amount you put them in? Is it the exact temperature they sit in? Is it the amount of time that they sit and ferment? There's lots of factors that go into helping determine the flavor is it a combination of yeast plus hops that that generate those particular flavors and they're starting to learn a little bit more and more about controlling the flavors so what you're getting is more and more beers that are either fruit forward or hop forward or you know now with the introduction of lactose sugar everything's a little bit sweeter Oh, so you're boy. having one of those, and then you're going back and you're trying another beer. Your palate's become so adjusted that that beer hasn't changed. It's the same beer you had before. It's your taste buds changed. It's the flavor profile that you enjoy 
is very different now. Like everybody tried, you know, the first bite of sushi they ever had that they probably got inside the food court at the mall. You've now gone on <laughs> down the road. You've to eaten great sushi, sushi restaurant. everywhere. <laughs> you've had high quality food and then you go back or like when you first eat Sapporo in a, when you're poor and in college and then later on in life, you go and sit down at like a good Asian restaurant or when you cook steak at home and then you have a good steak somewhere else and you're like, oh, okay. Well, what I had before wasn't bad. I, th- th- these people are just learning how to do things better. The same, I mean, it's beer is constantly evolving. Every time someone tries something, someone wants to try and push it to the next level to see what they can do with it. And it goes further and further and further. And since we don't really understand all of the science behind how the flavor from hops is derived, we're discovering new ways to make those things last. You have lupulin powder, you have experimental hops, you have um, cryos. Yeah, cryos, different yeast strains that can be used now. So it's constantly evolving. And by evolving, the flavor should continue to get better. It's just your palate's different now. West Coast IPAs like Sip of Sunshine just isn't what everybody's drinking anymore. Lunch. But it should be. Yeah, it lunch is still it's so one of my. Good. Yeah. Lunch is still one of my favorite beers. If I see it out, I'm always trying to get it. Same idea. Yeah. If you like Sip of Sunshine and then you say lunch is not a good beer that or Pliny the Elder you do like and lunch you don't like, those two went neck and neck for like three years, years as yeah. the top two beers in the entire world, right? If you went to Rate Beer or Beer Advocate or any of those sites, those two beers constantly would swap based off of... And then what happened? Main beer company released dinner. Suddenly, lunch got backburned a little bit because dinner was now their next step in that evolution where it took some of the, the clean and crisp of lunch and blended it a little bit with some of that sort of like sweeter, sort of like hop forward, fruit forward that you get with some of the New England IPAs. And suddenly everyone was about that. And you had second dinner. So then lunch, which is still one of the cleanest, crisps. Crisp West Coast IPAs. Yeah. Yeah. Is phenomenal. You can get anywhere now. I don't know anybody who buys it anymore. But if you go back yeah. and you drink it, it tastes exactly the same as it did before. But no See, one wants it because it's it didn't fall off. It didn't change. Nothing mm. your taste buds modified and your taste buds changed. And they're just used to something that's a little bit better than what you have now. Go back and drink the whiskeys, the Jack Daniels and whatever you were taking shots of when you were in college. Let's not now, do that. I swear yeah. one hasn't changed over time. It's still, it's yeah. still the same shit drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is very true. But now try better tequilas. Try better whiskeys. Try, mm-hmm. you know, everyone, everyone in college. I love Jameson. Jameson's everyone after college. Oh, I love Jameson, bro. Jameson's the best. Now you go out and you have like a good Irish whiskey or a good bourbon or a good whiskey. That stuff tastes like dog shit now because you've tasted what it's supposed to taste like you tasted better versions of it you took taken what people had success with and built on and built on and built on and now you have better products that are out there so for everybody out there complaining saying people like breweries fall off because they they are now ready more readily available get the hell out of here your taste buds have changed it's fine let people like the beer that they like stop shitting on people for you know still chasing treehouse beers even though you've moved on to whatever Shitty brewery you have to wait in line for. That's my bone to pick. Sorry, I, I'll get I, off my soapbox I, now. 
I, I hear you on that, Grandpa Tim. I really do hear you on that. This is my final thought on this. I will still drink substance when I see it anywhere. I will still get an Allagash White when I see it anywhere. I will not pick up lunch when I see it at the grocery store because it is never within 45 days of code. It's always like it's so hard to get like fresh main beer co here that like it's been sitting somewhere and then I see it in the shelf and it's been produced 60 days ago. And it yeah, says on the, a- on the bottle, it says on the bottle, like drink within like 60 or 75 days. Like I'm not going to buy it. But there are people that I've seen at the grocery store when they see lunch down here in Virginia, they'll yeah. grab all 18 of those bottles on the shelf and they'll buy them all. Good for them. I can appreciate how soft of a beer it is, how palatable it is. I just hate the fact that I have two visions of lunch in my head. The one where I drank it in Freeport <laughs> and the one that I can drink now. And those two are vastly different, vastly different. And it's not, it's not because they fell off or anything like that. It's just because if you don't, create a beer that has more than a 90 day shelf life. Eventually you're getting enough people to kind of get it on the wrong side of that 45, 60 day window. And they're, they're going to have some biased opinions. And I'm part of that group. hundred percent. It's unfortunate. But that's the thing. Maybe I'm gonna try, just I, produce I, I have a to find of lunch and just send it the day that it's brewed down to Virginia. If it gets there in two days, it gets there in two days. But when I go to the grocery store and I see lunch on the shelf, I want to buy it. I check every single time it's I go to the grocery store. Not, I, w- I would probably say it's not on Main Beer Co. It's on no, their, it's probably on like their distributor. distributor it is, yeah. but still, I mean, it's not a New England IPA. It's not like there's living cultures or anything like that. It's a West Coast IPA. It's meant to hold up for a while. So yeah, I just I see know. the sediment in the bottom of the travel. bottle, and I just like, nah, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Just just the way she goes. All right. So now we got that bone picked out of the way. We got to get to the meat and the potatoes of this episode. We got to get to know you, Tim, and you, and they got to get to know me. Um, there, there are some gimme questions, which I'm sure we could ask, but I'm all, I'm all about asking the hard questions. I'm going to start from the top rope. This is WWE WrestleMania, you know, rage in the cage. Tell me the sports athlete that you do not like. But you want to. But there's just something about that that person, guy or gal, that you're just like, I just can't get over it, and here's why. Um, it's a toss-up between two for me. Okay. Um, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving. Hmm. Kyrie Irving, I, and I'll tell you why for both. Something about LeBron has always, always rubbed me the wrong way. What is it like the self ascension to being the goat? Is it the the constant nah, comparisons? Like, is it- I, I think he's generally, you know, one of the best, if not the best basketball player of all time. Um, but it's he never went about it in a way where you like figured it out on your own and then promoted it. He was always there to kind of like nudge you in that direction a little bit. He was always there to to make it known. And some of that is because, you know, he was successful from a young age. He came in right out of high school. He had immediate success. He's prolific. Some of it is, you know, maybe the team he supported himself or he surrounded himself with was, which was all of his friends growing up. He didn't have like the normal, you know, professional grooming process. You would, when you come in with like a, you know, professional agent and mentors and whatnot, it was literally like you and your buddies, coming up through the system. And I just don't know if he ever kind of settled himself into a place where it wasn't like 
in your face. He thinks he's the best. And for me, like, I mean, a lot of players are like that. I don't necessarily fault him for that. But what really bothered me was the decision, right? That is when it a very, literally a very, put me... Very, very, a very big pertinent part in sports history. Because yeah. uh, take a look at everything about that. Sitting in these like casting chairs, like on the beach, sitting in this like oversized long sleeve shirt. You know, he's sweating his fucking ass off. Like, yep. and then for him to, for him to basically, because he didn't go to college, for him to basically take the, the college declaration, I'm taking my talents here, but he made it something cool at the next level. I, I got to counter you on that. I mean, that, that, that was neat to me. That was the beginning of the super teams that one of those super, like that, that style brought the Celtics to championship, you know? So I, I can't, can't really fault it. Well, so for, I mean, there was, the, there's a couple things about it, right? Like it was, oh, it's about, you know, charity and raising money. And then it was like, oh, I'll make, I'll let everybody know within the first few minutes. And then it ended up being at the very end. And then like, he kind of knew what he was going to do anyway. The fact that like, that was the production about it. He felt that like where he was going was so important that they had to make a scheduled program about it just for him to announce it. And then he followed it up with the press conference in Miami where they're like, not one, not two, <laughs> not three, not four. And they won what? One. Yeah. Hey, well, <laughs> then, you know, and then the moment they struggled, he bounced, right? Like how are you going to win five, four, five, six, seven, whatever. If the moment there's trouble, you get out of there and you chase championships, you know, as, as they move on. And then with Kyrie, Kyrie's a tough one for me because I understand some of his philosophies and his thought processes when it comes to like not caring about what the media thinks. Like in general, I don't have the biggest concern for what people generally think about me, right? What they think about my podcast, what they think about, you know, my day-to-day life, what I'm doing at work. None of that stuff really matters much to me as long as, you know, what I I'm doing, I'm happy with, uh, you know, I'm confident with the things I'm doing, decisions I'm making. So to some extent, I, I understand that. But the way he handles it and the way he manages it, like you are in a public spot. You made all these big moves to all these big teams. Um, you know, you're going to be the guy that's going to be asked questions. I just don't think he handles it that well. Right. And then you have all the weird stuff that went on the in in the middle where he was a flat earther and then like just yeah. something about the way he handles himself is like, I'm too good for this, which is tough because again, I understand what his, his, he's saying about not caring about the media and it's the media is making their impressions of him, but it's coming off a little bit more like a, mm, I'm too good for this. Like, Whatever. I didn't ask for this. Okay. Well, no, but you're, you, you're also willingly collecting those checks that you're being paid out to be a superstar athlete. And part of that contract is talking to the media because without the fans, is it though? yeah, because it without though? the fans, it's a, it's who's watching you play? Thing. It's a yeah. league thing. Uh-huh. And, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, players get to a point where they mature or they get beyond like the bright lights, right? Like, I mean, you and I are, are not professional athletes. So like, We've never had to uh, perform for thousands of people. I'm sure at some point the 
the jazz wears off. You know what I mean? Sure. The music sounds stale. It, it doesn't really kind of interest you the same way that it does. Um, I can appreciate that Kyrie is very focused on social justice. Where I differ a little bit is like, you know, he's saying like, hey, none of this matters, but he's not necessarily just going to do that. He's not like going to like the, you know, the full activist route, sort of like Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you know, he's he's saying those things. He's using his, his platform, but he's still going out there and playing. And then he's like sort of kind of giving it back to like the media reporters who are the beat guys and gals who are just trying to do their job, just trying to ask questions. Yeah. Hey, can, can you explain like what what's up? You went, you know, you played 12 minutes tonight. You got six points, 15 rebounds and two assists. And he's like, I, I'm not talking about this. I don't want to talk about it. Like, okay, I understand that. But <laughs> <laughs> give me the answer you want to give me and, that's, and then answer my question after. And I'm going to put both because I'm a great writer and let me do that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's very, it's a, I think, I think it's a fair criticism from a fan's perspective, Tim, that you bring yeah. up just the fact that the, the mediaization of sports has led this really weird divide between the average fan and then the players themselves. We can reach out to them on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. We can we can tweet at them, we can comment on their posts, we can talk shit to them. Yep. We would never do that in person. But we right. have the ability to do that. And I think we sort of believe as fans, we have equal stake in the game because we're the ones that are driving the demand for the yep. league revenues to to pay for those contracts. And then on the other side, there's also a very a very equitable demand I would think in the fact that they have the talent they entertain, they bring the heat. You know what I mean? So yep. it's it's difficult and it's a windy road. And I think that politics and sports has definitely muddied this super because now everyone who has an opinion is just like, oh, LeBron this or lay bitch or lay bum or whatever they want to lay, yeah. lay whatever. Like, come on, you're not even being like original with it. And they're oh, saying, right. oh, and I, you're right. I didn't even touch on all the LeBron flopping that goes on. Anyway. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is, is the sports production value that we've had, I would say, in the last 15 to 20 years has been completely different. And I think yeah. we've, we've lived this fantasy the entire time of Rudy, the replacements, Hoosiers, where we just anticipate that like people in sports are always going to be perpetually coming back against the odds. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, you know, there's been so much production value that's gone into games and everything. From yep. pregame, halftime, postgame, you know, d like during TV timeouts and everything, there's so many aspects. Like it's no longer just you against your opponent for 45 minutes or an hour. It's you against that and then competing priorities. And then you like the minute you get drafted right. or come to a team, you like, you've got to get a brand, you've got to get your name out there, you got to monetize, you got to do all that stuff. And it's just sort of like, wow, can you not just like play the game? You know, because like isn't isn't a couple of million dollars enough? And we, I can't answer the I question mean, because I, mean, I don't make I, the money. Right. I, I, you know, I agree with a lot of it, but, but at the same time, with all of those things, also comes the highest paid athletes who have ever existed in the history of sports, right? So, yeah. well, no, no, and not the history, uh, history of American sports, because like Ronaldo and Messi and some of those other like, you know, they're, European they're not, football players. Sure. There's, there's, a, there's, you know, sure. There's, you know, more than a handful of soccer players or American football. I mean, uh, or European football players that uh, <laughs> have made a lot of money, but that's quickly like the, the, the gap is closing very quickly on a lot of those guys. Like right now, the highest paid athlete is Conor McGregor. 
that's not just for the fights. That's for, you know, endorsements and all that stuff that goes in behind it. But like basketball mm-hmm. players are making tons of money. Like Kyrie is making a ton of money. Um, but who is paying for the funds to go to players? And that's the consumption by fans, whether it's through TV deals, whether it's through, uh, you know, YouTube videos or whatever branding, you know, marketing team has you working with. It, it doesn't matter. The people who are taking in your content, whether it's your game, you know, on the court, whether it's, you know, you being involved in anything outside, movies, TVs, commercials, doesn't matter. The people who are taking in that content are the ones who are ultimately generating the funds that are paying your massive back the brink struck up contracts that are out there. So while I, while I would say, I think it would be fair of him to say, no, I, I'm not taking part in any social media. I don't need or want to, or care enough to see what people are saying about me. You're still out there. You're playing a game. The people who are watching you pay a game, play a game. They're paying for the TV deals to watch you. They're paying for the ticket to sit in the rink uh, into the, in the stadium to watch you play. They're paying for the NBA package. They're paying for ways to watch you play basketball. And sometimes they're going to have questions. And the only way to get those questions asked is through the media because they're not allowed to sit in the room and you don't want to partake in social media, which I don't think most athletes should anyway. I think it's just too toxic out there, but you can't brush off media responsibilities when those answers are being relayed to the people who are ultimately responsible for taking in your content. If you don't want that playing a private league where you have no fans, let's just, you and your buddies sit at home. Where are those contracts coming from? Like, where, yeah, where the fun? Where's the funding coming from? You quietly playing your pickup basketball game in closed door arenas? Like, it's it's not there. It's unfortunate. What? And and I I think that, that the pandemic definitely showed a lot of that, right? I mean, as far as them playing like in the bubble without fans, you know, have still having that successful like TV deal, but then like also, it, it's a valid question. A lot of star athletes have asked it. Hey, people are dying. Like this virus is out here and raging. Like, why are we playing? Why aren't, why, right. why aren't we just stopping? Oh, well, owners are going to lose money or the board of governors is going to lose money or you're going to lose money. Like, okay, well, I I might want to lose some money and not lose my life, which, which is why I think yeah. like sort of the, the, the COVID opt-outs. And, and that brings me, you know, to a, to a good point here um, to ask this question, like obviously pandemics, <laughs> They don't occur with frequency. Do you think the lessons that uh, that the the sports leagues have learned from, I would say, the last eighteen months? Do you think that it's going to be lasting? Do you think we're going to change the way that that we fundamentally consume and play sports, and and the way that we prevent mass spread of these things? Or do you think that once the vaccination rate rises high enough, people are just going to say? Look, I'm going back to the stadium, and then it's going to be at full capacity, and it's going to be like nothing ever happened. Like, uh, do you see us capacity. like, yeah, full capacity, 100. You already see it with uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. The first, I think it was their first playoff hockey game, sold out arena. Yeah, well, and Texas out. Rangers opening day, you know, yep. full capacity. Texas Rangers, too. UFC. Yeah, you, you, I think. Well, well that was fifteen thousand. You yeah, know, so think, it, wasn't, it wasn't as big as it could have been, but it was still big. Yeah, I think what we're going to see. 
it's tough because you have the political divide and then you have, you know, people's health and well-being and how they look at vaccines. There's a lot at there's a lot at play there. I think if the pandemic had lasted let's say six to eight months, I think we would have had a better chance of like learning something from this going forward. The fact that it dragged on as long as it did, I think people were just over it. They just didn't care anymore. Like I know people personally who at the beginning were very much let's all be safe. Everybody be careful. Let's, you know, take care of each other. And now those same people, like they're out without masks. They have their kids out without masks. Their kids are at parties, like with other kids without masks. I think everybody is just kind of over it. And the fact that we heard stories about people dying, we saw news coverage of people dying, but we got so numb to it that like it wasn't on the forefront of everybody's mind anymore because then people started questioning well as soon as people started asking are they dying from covid could it be something else would they have died anyway blah 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 blah. and it just i think it sort of got that snowball rolling started out really really small but then as normal people and you know family and friends made it through without getting sick i think like the alertness and the concern kind of gets numbed a little bit because you're like, oh, well, this didn't affect me. This is fine. Look, there's a whole stadium full of people. They're totally fine, too. Meanwhile, India, like that country is in a complete disaster state right now. Raging fire. So uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think we're going to learn much from this at all. I mean, the government may try and institute these changes again if the pandemic comes back. But the fact that the moment we got a green light, it was like nothing ever changed. Yeah. No, it's not. And it's not like the virus isn't still out there. Half of the people who are at those stadiums were probably not vaccinated. A bunch of them probably didn't care about being vaccinated. So. Yeah, we'll be we'll be in the same boat at some point, maybe. I, I, I think that it's I, I think I think you make a very, very good point there. Um, and I, I'm trying to figure out how I can make this so it sounds cohesive, because I, I agree with you in some things and I don't agree with you in some other things. I mean, we don't want like a six to eight month pandemic and oh, well, these people died and and here it is. But I I do agree that once we hit that six month mark, right? And I mean, Tim, we started this podcast during quarantine. We started this podcast with you in your basement and me podcasting from a closet. (laughs) Okay. You know what I mean? Like making making the most of what we could. Um, And we were never totally devoid of sports in the way that other countries were, right? Italy was one of the first countries to pop up with the coronavirus. Um, th- there was a great ESPN Daily episode in which Pablo uh, examined uh, one of the stadiums that was like a, a COVID-19. They call it like a nuclear like bomb. Like there were so many cases that came from that game. And, you know, a lot of people died because of the close proximity and yep. because of how fast the virus swept. And like we all looked at, and I remember this, we all looked at Italy and we was like, well, that sucks, but it's not going to happen here. And then it did start happening here. And then we thought like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And then like, there was, there were some restrictions, but we didn't totally restrict everything. We didn't cancel sports. We didn't really tell people they needed to stay in their homes. Like some other countries did because personal freedoms is a very big thing. And it's almost like in the constitution, there's like an amendment for (laughs) the right to attend sports. It's like the 11th (laughs) Or the or the thirtieth amendment or something like it's not really the case. Like, yeah. we never really had a dearth of content. We just didn't. 
We just didn't have fans in the stands. We still had yeah. people going out there entertaining and performing. And that was supplemented by the fact that we had like the last dance, which was fantastic, but it would have been fantastic if there was fans in the stands anyways. I wouldn't have gone to a game because I would have been glued to my TV Sunday night. That's what would have yeah. happened, right? For those eight to 10 weeks. So I hope that the lessons that, that these teams have learned, A, budget better for the future, right? And then for the yep. players' unions too, to sort of like, yeah, you got to throw that clause in there. It's like insurance. You never need it until you need it. And then you're just like, wow, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay players? What about the undrafted free agents? Who is getting cut? Like, how are they going to get health insurance? All these things that, honestly, the average fan does not think about because it doesn't affect them because they well, pay their $300 a year to DirecTV for the NFL Sunday ticket, and they can watch their favorite team every Sunday. They don't pay attention to the second, third, and fourth order effects. And I think because, like you said, because the pandemic was as long as it was, and also I think because of how we – refuse to totally i guess submit like that that made it where we questioned whether it was not like whether yeah. whether or not it was something that like we really needed to pay attention to and well, it didn't uh, matter quick, if our favorite players contracted coronavirus or not we were just like nah, whatever it's not me well a, a quick counter to that would be all of those players were given the opportunity to opt out with or without pay and whatnot and we could say well that's not fair but let's also consider the millions of Americans who were forced out of their job to either yeah. be furloughed, right? Or some of them, their jobs just disappeared. And never came back. They had to try and find healthcare. Like you just said, you know, how are they going to pay healthcare for these basketball players? Well, maybe they should have planned a little bit better because, you know, the minimum is still hundreds of thousands of dollars that they're making every single year. A lot of the high-profile athletes and most athletes in the league are making, you know, a million dollars or more every single year. If there was somebody who was in a position to take a hit for eight months to a year, the consumer of basketball versus the basketball player, unfortunately, it's probably the basketball player in those cases where shit you don't want to play that's totally fine you can opt out of it the team can then choose obviously not to pay you the same way my wife didn't get paid while she was out what did she have to do she had to go to the government and get her furlough check her unemployment check for the duration of her furlough so to say you know the second and third or fourth effects of of what's going on you still had people who are finding ways to pay for their cable subscriptions, NBA pass or whatnot, so that they could get a break from reality, which is a lot of people call this every time, you know, politics came up or COVID came up during basketball. Everyone wanted to escape. They wanted to break from reality and watch sports because it wasn't tied to their reality. Well, they were still finding ways throughout their troubles of taking these games. So I'm not necessarily buying that it wouldn't be fair to the athletes or they were put in a position where, you know, they had no choice but to play. No, you, you had a yeah, choice. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying were, that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were given an option and they, they took it because money was more important than their health. Money was more important than the health of, you know, the people they're playing against. Because, you know, if you're agreeing to play, you got to play against someone and they're going to find someone to play against you. So... Part of me looks at that and says, okay, by deciding to play, you are deciding that it is more important to make money 
and and trust the the health process that they have in place than it would be to stay home and quarantine to remove yourself from the situation because you were given that option. Most of those guys probably wouldn't have been struggling if they missed a year's salary or whatever the subsidized cost was that they were ultimately going to end up losing. Some of them was like deferred payments. There was a lot that was going on that was brought up for, yeah, some of it could definitely come down to planning on the owner side to help supplement their loss of income while they're not there. But millions and millions and millions of Americans didn't have that safety net. So yeah, I don't know if professional athletes who are at their core employees of a business should have been afforded those same safety nets. That's my I, food for that. I, I, I do agree with that. You know, like there are so many people who, who've been affected. Was I affected outright? No. You know what I mean? But like, obviously like you were, I, I knew people, right. You know, in, in my second and third spheres who were affected directly or who were furloughed. And you know, that gave me a lot of stress and anxiety. And, um, I, I, I just think that, you know, <laughs> to, to wrap this up, cause we, well, this particular question, um, <laughs> we, we care so much about sports and I think, I think the pandemic really showed us that we expect a lot more from sports, uh, than we, than we should. Right. Yeah. We expect, we expect sports to be our release. We expect sports to be our distraction. We expect sports to, uh, shut up and dribble. We expect sports to be all these things. And then it wasn't that in 2019 and 2020, it wasn't that it was, there was racial justice. There was uh inequities and then covid and it was just like there are so many people that are like whoa no 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 i'm staying in my house 23 hours a day i don't need to be listening to all this other like outside stuff like i need to forget that there's a pandemic raging and you're just like that's so american of us but we're also pushing through and playing sports during a time when if we had just I don't, I, again, I'm not a scientist, so I can't, I can't prove this, but if we had just maybe taken the approach some other countries did, we had just locked it down. You had a season canceled or, or two, you know, we could have gotten back to, 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 to full, full capabilities. And it's just sort of like how many hard lessons do we have to learn? But then we just put an asterisk on them and we say, well, got that great content though. We got to see UFC fights at Yas yeah. Island. So, I mean, how bad was it? Like must not have been that bad. Like, yeah, yeah because well, you weren't directly yeah. affected by it. Or, Oh, no, I was just saying that would have died of the, of, of the flu. What? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But these people were like locked in their own homes, but yeah. Anyway. All right. So what are your, what are your, uh, what is the athlete you would like to like, but you don't Tiger Woods. Wow. Yeah, I I understand that what he's done for the game of golf is phenomenal. He's a titan. He's probably one of the greatest golfers to ever play the game. Uh, No one one can change their swing and then still make it. Come back and win a Masters, right? I lost a bet on that. You won a bet on that. Um, There was an article that came out a few years back. I don't know if it was a Worldwide Leader or an SI article in which they talked about Tiger's misguided love and appreciation and affection for like special operations forces and how, because his dad was a green beret in Vietnam, how he so want, like so badly wanted to be in the military and be a Navy seal, but he was a great golfer. And there was an anecdote that came into one of the, the article that talked about how he had gone parachuting with Navy seals. He'd gone to shoot houses and done urban, you know, combat training. And they went out to lunch and he didn't pick up the check. 
and it sounds stupid. It sounds petty, but it's just sort of one of those things to me. And I was just like, I don't know if it's just because I was in the military and you just don't, you don't have those types of things that, that happen very often. But like this dude is literally training with you. He's a, like, he's a multi-million dollar athlete and you go to get chicken salad sandwiches and old boy decides to not pick up the tip. It, to me, it just rubbed me the complete wrong way. And I understand that he was battling so many demons and Tiger Woods' story is not complete. I hope we get a, a 10-part series like the last dance like we did for the 97-98 Chicago Bulls. But there's something about that whole thing. It's not just the affair that Tiger had. It's not just him you know, you know, know, admitting that he had a problem. It's not the, the driver that went through his windshield. It's not just the accident he had recently. For me, as a military guy, it's that one anecdote where there are Navy SEALs who are like, this dude makes millions of dollars. He's jumped out of airplanes with us. We've given him ammunition. We've trained him. And then he can't pick up the tab at lunch. And it, didn't ha- and it wasn't like we expect him to pick it up every single time. Like we went to lunch with him and his trainers. And then like when the bill came, he just kind of looked at us like, what are you going to do? That really didn't stick well with me. And it's just, it's always been this like stain on Tiger Woods' career. And I've never really truly appreciated the ability of golf that he has because of the person that he's been made out to be. And there's there's truth to it. There's probably a lot of exaggeration to it. Again, fantastic, unbelievable golf player. Just reading that article for me, I was like, yeah, something about this doesn't sit right. Play devil's advocate for a second. What if his mindset was, okay, the people in that room weren't paying for it. Uncle Sam was paying for it. So ultimately, I don't imagine it was somebody there who was like, oh, let me pull out my personal card. I'm going to pay for everybody's lunch. It was very much like someone pulled out a corporate card tied to the U.S. military who did it. At which yeah, case... Yeah, probably. At, at, at which case... It would have been illegal, could, but yeah, probably. You could take it, it a happened. step... You're going to take it a step further back and he goes, oh, shit, how much am I paying personally in taxes every single year to get a little bit of a kickback for a, you know, a couple of chicken sandwiches for me and my staff? I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think some of that might be you know, your ties to the military. but No, you know. no it definitely is. I'm, I'm definitely biased by it. And, and that's why I think when he, when he won that, when he came back and he won the Masters, the return to greatness, right, as Jim Nance called it. Um, I mean, I was, I was happy for him because I... I'd had many office conversations with people <laughs> and they're like, Tiger's yeah. the goat. And I'm like, he might be, I don't view him as that because like, I, I was just personally biased. Like there were just many things that like Tiger was a fantastic golfer. And then for him to be moonlighting and trying to, I don't know if he was trying to become his dad or be, become something more than his dad. Like, I don't know if that's what it was. Like those are demons he has to face. Um, it, it was just something to me that never sat right with me. It just never sat right. And I know you thought I was going to say Tom Brady, but it just wasn't that for me. I, 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 I would say I didn't a pay lot attention of, to golf. I didn't appreciate golf, and yeah. that, didn't, that didn't help at all. I would, say, I would say a lot of – I feel like a lot of actors and athletes do that. Like you see oh, yeah, videos – you see videos every day of somebody flying with, you know, the – Blue Angels, or you'll see like, you know, Keanu Reeves out there doing, you know, military grade shooting ranges and competitions and things like that. I think it's just something that kind of happens. I don't necessarily know if that's him trying to like become, it's just, he was probably given an opportunity and was like, yeah, this sounds really cool. I'm definitely going to get here and, and do that. I mean, someone asked me, my dad was in the military. Someone asked me, hey, want to come skydiving with us? You want to train with us for a little bit? And you want to 
shoot some guns? I'd be like, a hundred percent. But that's not because I'm trying to be my dad. It's just yeah. some really cool shit to do. Um, but no, I, I, I see what you're saying. Maybe I'd be curious to see if there's anything he has done foundationalized for the military that doesn't get publicized because that happens a lot. Well, no, I think I think he has. I, you know, I think he's he's donated to like the you know the Green Beret Foundations, and I think he's been very very involved with that. I, yeah. I think it was probably more of a misinterpretation of like a quid pro quo, right? You're jumping out of our airplanes. You're shooting our ammunition. Like, pay for our lunch. You know, it it's just, it was like it was awkward that it happened, and that like he yeah. was just like, no, I'm not going to cover the tab. You know what I mean? I, I I don't know. That was like the one thing that that always stuck with me. It didn't, I'd be curious to see. I wish I could be like a fly on the wall in that room to like hear how it really went down because I'd be curious to see if if there was even like an exchange of any of that, or maybe it was like a total misunderstanding and he thought it was lunch was like being provided as like part of it. You know what I mean? And him and his team at the end possible. were like, "All right, guys, thank you very much," and they left. And then the people are like, "Oh shit, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't pay for that." <laughs> no, just, no, no, it, I know it, what you mean. The, yeah, the way the article described it was they brought the check and then there was a lot of like looking around, which is just just not good. So that yeah. that'll be mine. I, again, I get it. All right. From from a personal standpoint, fantastic golfer. Just that 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 part just rubbed me the wrong way. Fair enough. If you have a chance to go pro, if you go back and do it, yeah. go pro in any sport, what what sport would you go pro in? Baseball. What position Baseball. would you play? Uh, shortstop or center field? What the wrong? No, wrong. The correct answer was designated hitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, I never in my life hit home run because my swing. I never learned. Not. I thought I didn't learn how. I never went into the batter's box with the mindset of I need to hit this ball out of the park. I hit some off offenses. I hit some like deep in the outfield, but my goal was always to get myself on base or advance the runners that run base. So I was very much like a power up the middle. Team I'm going to swing to get on. And like it translated even after baseball when I, uh, you know, intramural softball where I was on a team and every single player is trying to crush home runs. Every time I got up to bat, I'm just going to get on base. So I would hit the line drive and, you know, everyone's always in the outfield banking on someone setting one towards the fence. And every single time mine was a solid shot or at the middle, I'd be on base. It was myself and one other guy were the only two that had played baseball that recognized that who were always on the base and had a bunch of people flying out pretty much the entire time. But I, I was really close to like potentially making something out of baseball before I moved out of California. So in California, you can play all the time. Yeah. Growing up, you know, we never had a ton of money in my family, so I spent a lot of time playing baseball. I lived less than a block away from uh, our little league field, so my buddies and I were the kids from the Sandlot who were there like, every single day playing baseball. The coaches knew who we were. Everybody knew who we were, and there was one uh, one summer. We're down playing, and we look all around another field, and it was you know couple hundred kids everybody out there trying out which just kind of kept doing our own thing didn't know what it was probably couldn't afford it. it is what it is let's just keep playing our game so we kept playing we kept playing and this guy comes over and starts leaning against the fence and not to say i was a mouthy kid 
I was pretty respectful, but like when I looked over and Not I saw this day. dude, yeah, when I looked over <laughs> and I saw this dude like staring at us, I'm like, uh, yo man, can I help you? And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm just hanging out. You guys keep playing. Kind of look back at him and get playing. You know, we would always rotate positions. I would do outfield. I would do shortstop. I would pitch. And then we just kind of go about it. But the guys sat there for like innings just watching. My turn back in the outfield came back up and I was, I was like, can, can we help you, man? Like, we're allowed to be here. You know, I know the president of the, you know, the baseball league here. He's given us permission to play anytime. He He's like, no, 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 man. Hey, is your, is your dad here? I'm like, all right, creep. Get lost. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, ah, dude, no, man. Look, I live right down the street. We're allowed to be here. We have permission. He's like, no, 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 no. Is your dad here though? I'm like, I was like, First of all, sir, I don't know what you want, but uh, not happening. <laughs> I'm good. Please, can you leave us alone to finish this game? Uh, and at that point, like the other kids on the infield turn and like start walking out. He's like, no, I would like to talk to your dad about baseball. Is he? Can you get him? So I was like, all right, sure. So I hop on my bike, right home. I'm like, dad, there's this creep down at the baseball field. He wants to talk to you. <laughs> I've never seen my, like, yeah. Uh, anyway, we, we, we go, we ended up talking to the dude and, uh, it's a travel baseball team that he wants me to try out for play on. And, uh, he's like, love to have your son and you come play with us. And, you know, I knew it was going to be expensive. And my dad ultimately was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want him to play, he can play. So I ended up joining this travel team. We go all over the country playing these big tournaments. Uh, we practiced for three months. I had, a, I had my bag, I had a jacket, I had my jersey with my name all over it. Every team had like a MLB team associated with it, so we were the Mariners. My hat, Mariners, got my name on it. I'm feeling like a superstar. Decent, uh, one of the guys on the team. Get ready to go to Chicago for our first tournament. My parents decide, let's move to the East Coast. Boom. I'm out of there. Oh. My coach Boom. was like, my coach was like, you should let him stay with me and, you know, play because it's a good opportunity. And, uh, you know, my parents weren't quite comfortable with it. I was a uh, freshman in high school. And we moved to Maine. And, uh, you know, after getting recruited off, you know, for a team like that, try out for the team here in Maine and I get the old uh yeah you're pretty good if you want to practice with us if someone gets hurt maybe we'll let you suit up. Oh the, the hell with that. Terrible. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I can see where this I can see where this is going. So I just played town ball and uh kind of the rest was history. Broke my wrist one year and uh, missed baseball so I played the cross and never bothered uh never bothered trying out for uh high school baseball again. Jeez so, yeah. Louise I can go back man. in time if I could go back in time, it would be it would be baseball again. I'm gonna tell you something I've never told most people. Okay. If I could go back, I'd play soccer. All right. In 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 middle school, uh, I was at a private school, um, Holy Cross. No, Holy Family, Holy Cross Elementary, Holy yep. Family in Lewis and Lewis and Maine. Tried out for the soccer team. Didn't make it. 
I had stamina. I could run all over the field, but I have no hand-eye coordination or foot-eye <laughs> coordination whatsoever. None. Could run up and down the field forever. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, like when they used to post like the results of like who would make the team or who would make the cut for like the musical or whatever, like they put they put the results up and see my name. I was fucking crushed, man. Because like, like also we didn't have a lot of money, so like we got a set of cleats and shin guards from Played Against Sports. My mom spent a lot of money on that and uh i was like in the driveway like kicking the soccer ball in the dirt and that <laughs> shit didn't happen so every time i watch one of those movies like hoosiers i'm like this is bullshit it doesn't happen like this ever it never happens like this <laughs> uh, so i i never i never made it uh to that team and then you know i ended up trying out at another school that I, when, when we moved i tried to make the soccer team another place didn't make it and i was like all right this is totally not gonna happen and then I happened to run into the cross country coach and he was like, you should run cross country because you can run for days, which I can. I can run for a long time. I can run long and slow forever. I wasn't yeah. exactly the best cross country runner, but I was, I was always decent. And I, I always could, you know, go for six, seven, 10, 12 mile runs. Right. So not anymore because I'm old as shit, but <laughs> I, I really wish, really wish that I had been given like an exception and just like maybe even rode the pine just a little bit because I feel like I could have made a great soccer player. Um, not to tell too many stories, but another there was years I thought I was actually good at soccer because <laughs> I uh, I played a couple times. I won't say I was terrible. I was okay at it. Made all star first year I played. Oh, it was great. I wasn't terrible. Well, I made all star first year well, out the gate. No big deal. Well, yeah. Well, but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> all-star game, game comes, we get smoked, smoked. So I was like, all right, well, that was, that was fun. Surprising. Um, we're at the end of the game and they're, you know, presenting everybody the trophy and I hear them start, you know, calling out the superlatives and, uh, we get around to like MVP. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just going to go. Pack my bag because you know I know I'm not I I'm not part of this conversation. And I hear Tim Cronin. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I want all star. I want all star MVP that year. So here I was thinking like, oh shit, I'm a pretty good soccer player. No, turns out you know I ran into the coach a couple years later. I was like, hey, he's like, yeah, you still playing soccer? I'm like, nah, that was you know not necessarily one and done. I just you know haven't made the time. It overlaps, you know, football, which I was playing. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's too bad. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, didn't realize I was as good as I was. And he's like, kind of laughed a little bit. I was like, all-star MVP first year, man. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's because you were the only one who continued to run the entire <laughs> game, even though we were getting our ass kicked. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I was like, yeah, man. man. I gotta say, uh, yeah, you're you're pretty decent at soccer, but it was your no quit. You know, I, I felt that needed to be rewarded. I was like, cool, cool, cool. Also, good things. Also, good things. So yeah, yep, for, yep. for there was a, there was a little bit of time where I thought I was good at soccer. And it turns out uh, I'm just stubborn as shit. So super, that. super cool, super cool. <laughs> I, I feel like we. Um, I, I still I still have that medal in my parents' house. Of course, a hundred percent. Hey, you should. I mean, I have my seventh and eighth place medals from nineteen ninety seven. 
You know, when I used to do the race <laughs> walk and summer track, I'm, I mean, I'm not throwing that shit away. Most of not telling anyone about it, but now everyone knows because <laughs> this yeah. podcast. But wait, hold on. When, you say walk? You say walking trophies? Yeah, race walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's an Olympic event. Like what you see yeah. the, the old ladies doing? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Sure did. If you can't see me uh, miming an <laughs> old woman walking. walking as fast hey, as she could, it's difficult. It's difficult. You have to have one foot on the ground at the same. At, uh, I mean, simultaneously. You know what I mean? You always and have you, to have one foot in contact with the ground. It's and not easy. you have easy. to accentuate the ass wave as you do it. Like, <laughs> you can't just... I just I just remember I just remember in high school, you know, people were like, oh, you run track. What do you do? I'm like, I race walk. And they're like, <laughs> girls would be like, what? You hold, race walk? Wait, hold on. Did you say in high school? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, the dynamic of this podcast is about to change forever, and you guys are witnessing this. I no, thought you I said I, when I'm with something, I commit to it, Tim. That's I what thought, I do. I thought you said when you were young. Well, I did it in summer track, and then I continued into middle school and high school. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you. Yeah, you're an you athlete, are. And I'm I laughing. It. It's cool. It's cool. I don't care. You're a it was, middle it school. Was 18 years ago. It's fine. High school athlete, race walker. I mean, it's, it was fucking weird. It was it was wild times, early two thousands. What you know about you, that? Wow, wow. <laughs> okay. So, did you so actually run story. in track, or this whole time? No, when no, you were I, talking did, about I did. Playing? I did. Okay, I did distance. Okay. I did distance. Yeah. Um, and I did distance, and I was a high jumper, and I was fucking terrible at high jump. I I only jumped like five foot ten, and I'm six foot three, so like <laughs> can't even jump your own height. You're not getting anywhere. I, I had a I had a college coach. Which kind of part? This moves into the next question I want to ask you. I I had a a college coach who was like, who watched me jump, and she said, "I don't understand how someone can literally run towards the bar and high jump and throw their body up over the bar by like six or seven inches, but not drag their ass over it. <laughs> like I would just I would just run and just like jump." And just take the bar off, like on the way up. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 <laughs> like, I picture like you looking. <laughs> I picture you looking like a fish trying to avoid being eaten by another fish, so they crest out of the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was so weird, man. Uh, and and that, that the next question I was going to get into here was like, when did you know that like sports is going to be something that like when did you transition from like wanting to participate and be in sports? to realize now like it ain't for you anymore because that's like the death knell right because like for me that was in college i was like a decent runner in high school i never like broke records i was competitive uh in maine right but i never made regionals i I never went to you know went to states and a ton of things so like i go to college i try out for the team and i'm like a pup in a pack of wolves and I got this is the fucking weirdest thing. I can't even believe it. we're learning all kinds of things about me today. Yeah, this is amazing. I, the first semester that I was training for indoor track with USM, I got an overuse injury. And I didn't get that overuse injury on my legs. I didn't get it on my knees. I didn't get it on my back. I didn't get it on my quads. <laughs> I got it in my gluteus maximus. Ooh, all right. That's I the, tore. That's that's the butt for you, dumb folks. I tore a, a muscle in my butt, and I will never forget. I should have been embarrassed, but I was kind of laughing. I was on the athletic training table, and someone had their elbow knee like knee deep, like practically in my my butt cheek, and they were like, "Oh, do you feel that?" And I was like, "Yeah, that hurts." To go, there should be a ligament there. Like you tore that. There's there's no connection here. Like 
you tore your butt. And I was like, I, I, I just, I remember like laying on the, on the trainer table, looking back, like the fuck, how do you tear your butt? Like, how does this happen? <laughs> and then like having to go tell my coach that and he's like, well, I guess you got to like take it easy. I'm like, how, how does this fucking happen? How do I yeah. tear my butt? And then like, I never All that power walking. I never heard. It's the butt wiggle. I'm telling you. It's that wiggle. No, I've seen not. people race it's walking. Absolutely not. It's, absolutely, it's absolutely not. I went I went from running in high school like probably, you know, 20 to 30 miles a week to in college running like 50 to 60 miles a week. And I just I didn't I didn't I didn't uh, scale up and I and I tore something from overuse. Like I totally understand like why it happened. But that, yeah. like to me, remember, like I didn't get an athletic scholarship, right? I went to a D3 school. So I just making a team was, oh man, I was super happy to be here. Super happy to be on the bus. Love my USM track and field Huskies that I, that I, that I competed with, but I was terrible. I was probably one of the worst dudes in the team, like production wise. I was not getting points and, and track meets. That's how you score. Right. And there were some killer runners on the USM distance team at that point. And I just could, I couldn't keep up. I tried, but I was like back of the pack, which made me a great runner, but I was just like, totally, I was so bad. And like after I got that overuse injury, I was just sort of like, "This is it. Yeah. Like, uh, this this is where the end of the road is." Me and running, we're we're gonna be married for the long haul. But I am never gonna sit on a podium. I'm never gonna get a ribbon or a medal. I'm never gonna have um, a record. And I was just like, "Okay, cool. It's over." Like, you know what I mean? Like, I had yeah. an injury, and I was like, "Nah, I'm out." I, like there's no perseverance. I'm not trying to come back. There's no Rudy yeah. story here. I am out. See ya. Goodbye. I'm gonna go do something different. And I don't I don't hate it. You know what I mean? I was like something I put my my appreciation and my effort into for the better part of eight years. And at the end yep. of that eight years, I realized that like maybe I didn't have the fast twitch muscles. Maybe I wasn't able to do the things I, I set out to accomplish, but like I had some things along the way and I'm cool with it. Yeah, for me, it was it was probably that move like coming out this way. I'd, I had hints of it before, where I was never really good at sort of advocating for myself, myself, or speaking up for myself. When I was a kid, <clears throat> to say that I was a really good baseball player, like, was not an exaggeration. I was a amazing baseball player for entirety of my young career um where like to this day you know kicking around parents house i have signed the game balls from like the president of the league because i was just a completely fearless i had no qualms with like getting hurt shortstop the ball was hit my direction i was always running at it or like getting it out of the glove as fast as I could. I had that like twitch motion down. And then one year, uh, going to a different team and a new, we have a new coach and his son is on the team and him and I both play shortstop. It was never really uh, Tim. Where do you want to play? It was okay. You know, my Here's son's going to play shortstop. Where do you want to yeah. play? And I was like, I mean, I'll, I'll play wherever you want to put me. And he puts me in center field, which is a good position, but the mechanics are just drastically different. So like, cause you got to go left to right. Yeah. So like, I didn't really do much to like fight for it then. And I was like, all right, this doesn't feel quite right, but I still had success and I still did well. 
And then when I moved to Maine and I got that like small town vibe where I knew all of the parents, knew all of the coaches because they all grew up playing together. So they all like the minor league system. I mean, the um, like the AAU you know, travel teams. Well, like, yeah, T-ball and, you know, they, they all grew up together. So I'm the new guy from California. If I come in and I earn a spot on this team, I'm going to push someone out whose parents think that they're supposed to be there and who the coach has been, like, looking at, you know, throughout every league and every season that they've had. And the fact that I didn't, like, fight for it or the fact that I didn't say, yeah, you know what, I will come to practice and I will you know, earn whatever that spot is. At that point, I was like, all right, that's, that's kind of it for me. I'll, I'll play town ball. And, uh, when I, I broke my wrist the following year, right before baseball, I was going to go and try out again. And I was going to smoke everybody and just, cause I knew the record they had the year before wasn't that great. I broke my wrist right before tryouts. So just like, oh, you're going to, just like, Hey, you coming to tryouts this year? I'm like, nah, I broke my wrist snowboarding. I think I'm just going to, uh, Play town ball. Ended up picking up lacrosse and played JV and varsity lacrosse in my last two years. But that was nice. it for me. But I would go to USM games and be like, hmm. I know I'm. Play USM baseball was, games? You oh, go to yeah. USM baseball games and say you're better than the people that were recruited to play baseball for USM? Little East champs, USM? Yeah, yeah. D3 champions, say. USM? All right. Well, well let's, let's pump the brakes. D3 champions. Like no okay. offense to them, but you got you got to win against the champ. Come on, don't don't do Ed Flaherty dirty like that. That guy is a fantastic coach. They've had great. I didn't teams. say They've I didn't say he was a bad coach. A I didn't say he was. Uh, me saying I'm better than a D1 player is drastically different than me saying I'm better than a D3 player. Great, maybe it's all about opportunities. It's all about opportunities. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I did fail to capitalize or fight for those opportunities. So that's when I knew it was it was it was curtains for my career. Curtains curtains yeah. but i mean that's 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 a good segue into the final question we want to ask here in this episode of the stats matter podcast we have this this thing coming up this summer i mean it's already summer in virginia it's not in connecticut because you probably still have snow and tornadoes but uh it was 80 84 degrees here today wow for once wow that, that's so nice it's been 80 oh, years for the plenty second of for the second or third time but <laughs> in between the first time, time and yeah, now guys. it dropped to like 40 <laughs> We we had like a summer tease in which oh, I seated I, I put down seat so twice and I, so I'm I'm to blame for this bad weather because uh, a month and a half ago I saw oh 60s 70s perfect springs coming I'm gonna seed my lawn next day we got a fluke snowstorm shit that sucks anyway moving on a couple weeks later get more grass seed already killed all my last grass seed. Stretches coming. 75, 68. Ooh, 82, 83. This is great. I'm going to put this out here. Put my grass seed down. One day out on the forecast, which I couldn't see. Boom, deep freeze coming. <laughs> it's literally every time I put seed on my lawn, yikes. Some fluke weather would come through. So we had a deep freeze and a snowstorm in the last month. But yeah, we're in the home stretch. We're like in the 90s now, uh, coming Very up nice. this week. Well, in in the summertime, you have a lot of great expansive temperatures, and you also have this thing called the Olympics, Sidious, mm. Altius, Fortius. There have been a lot of talk and a lot of speculation about what sports should or shouldn't be in the Olympics. Okay. Baseball, 
kind of there, kind of out. Not going to be there much longer, right? Skateboarding, yep. snowboarding, making it in. Breakdancing, rumored to be an Olympic sport. What is the one sport, one Olympic sport? And you can look this up. I'll give you a couple seconds. You can look this up. What is the one Olympic sport that if you could change it and move it out, you would do it? So like table tennis or badminton or beach volleyball, skeet shooting. You're like, nah, not Olympics. <laughs> move it out. But then you have to put something else in. So if you take skeet shooting out, you got to put lacrosse in um, or, or, or something like that. What is the one sport that is currently, currently an Olympic sport that you would remove <laughs> and what would you place there in spite of it? race walking <laughs> it is an olympic sport already bitch what's that it's an olympic it, sport no you asked me which one i would get rid of race walking. oh <laughs> every time i see it i'm like i don't like i get it it's it's very difficult to walk fast for a long period of time but i was like but they're but but they're walking i just want to <laughs> point out you, you can't see this necessarily but when I type in Olympic SP, but the first three results on Google, Olympic sports, Olympic speed walking, <laughs> Olympic sprinters. It's the second yeah. most popular Google search. Because thing. I'm sure people like me are like, wait a second, is that a real thing? Um, is golf an Olympic event right now? Mm, I don't think Olympics, so. Let's take a look. Twenty twenty Tokyo. It is, yep. Yeah. It would have been. They canceled. Uh, yeah. Well, they, it's this year. Golf, yeah. golf made a spectacular return to the Olympic program in 2016. Right. Um, so that one is out. What event would I have going in its place? The problem is there are so many Olympic events that we don't know are Olympic events just because they don't get televised. Well, no, they, they are televised. We just don't stay up until 2 a.m. to watch them. This is also true. Um, There's a World Baseball Classic, but is baseball part of the Olympics? Well, yeah, it is. I, th I think it, it made it this year, or this is the last year it will be an Olympic sport, something like that. I can't remember. It's hilarious that baseball is not considered an Olympic sport enough to be a stalwart. The event was last played in 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing with South Korea taking the gold. All right. Yeah. Let's bring baseball back, which it was slated for. Uh, but let's do it. Uh, uh, I wish there was a way to do football as an, uh, as an Olympic event, but I don't know how you would cram that much football in in that how short of a time. How could you do that? They'd be, know, be, all, they'd be all American teams. Yeah, you'd find ways. Well, basketball. And, I mean, basketball yeah, yeah, usually right? runs the show, but they still find ways to. I mean, we pull basketball players from all over the world. NFL pulls players from all over the world. Unfortunately, the teams from those places get filled with like two superstars. And then, you know, it's not like hockey where, uh, you know, we, granted, the NHL is made up from players all over the world, but those developmental leagues and all over the different, you know, European countries and generally cold areas have better teams than what, you know, some NHL teams are. So that one's a little different, yeah. but I, 
I think baseball would be really cool. It would be a super condensed schedule, which would be kind of tough because the Olympics is, is so short. So, Would you shorten it to like six or seven innings? Because you'd, um, you'd have to play multiple games like over the span of a week. You know what I mean? You'd have to have like a round of 64, 32, you know, 16. That's eight, what I'm saying. Four. I don't know if like realistically it would if you could do that, you'd almost have to have like play-ins before that, like the mm. world cup almost where yeah. you had a series of, of playoffs going into it. And then like the top, you know, 10 teams make the Olympics, something like that could work where then you play, you know, just winner take all the first day, winner take all, you know, two days from then. So now you're down to, four teams then you could do you know playoffs three rounds of playoffs and then from there you can do like the last two teams uh you know a three a three round playoff to get out there but you're playing like every day like the mlb does they'll play three days in a row sometimes they'll play more than that so yeah i mean i know baseball is coming back so to say like that's on my wish list i i just want to make sure it is back in the Olympics this year? No, but, yeah, I, th- um, I think it'll be this year in, in Tokyo. Yeah, it was it was slated to. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how they'd structure it. They'd have to do, like, playoffs leading into it. But, yeah, let's get rid of race walking and let's bring in uh, baseball. It's part of athletics, so you're not going to get rid of it because it's part of a bigger sport. It's technically track and field, or as the world calls it, athletics. Aren't there, uh, Just the way aren't it goes. there other... Athletic meets or athletic challenges that aren't in there. What if you had to give us a rundown of what your meets would be? What were all the events in your meet? What that I participated in, or or like the meets anyway? Just just in general. Oh no, I mean there's there was the one, the two, the four, hundred meters, right? The eight hundred, the the fifteen hundred meter, the thirty two hundred, the fifteen hundred meter race walk. There was high jump, long jump, triple jump, <laughs> shot put, discus, javelin. There was a four by one relay, the four by four relay, distance medley relay sometimes. So like, you know, all, all those things. <clears throat> the weird, the weird, uh, the weird jump where you do like triple jump. Go from one, yeah, the triple jump. Get rid of that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. We'll keep. Well, I tell you what, let's no. keep your, let's keep no, your race they, walking, they... and let's get rid of triple jumping. <laughs> Look, just because I participated doesn't mean I'm like I'm I'm cool with it. Like maybe not being an Olympic, you know, sport, but. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I was just never good at it. There are a couple things that have got to go in Olympics, and they are archery and badminton. And here's why. Okay. Badminton is a drinking game. <laughs> it, it's a barbecue game. It is not something that I take seriously. It is what people do when they have a few too many Bud Lights or IPAs and they decide after having two double cheeseburgers and a hot dog with relish on a hot summer day that they're going to attempt to use volleyball techniques to put a shuttlecock over a net that's barely bigger than them. It's not an Olympic <laughs> sport. It's absolutely not an Olympic sport. I table can say that. You can, you can keep table tennis because table tennis, people will be hitting that ball with so much velocity that I could never imagine playing well, ping pong for the uneducated. I couldn't I couldn't play table tennis to save my life. That could stay. Yeah. Archery has got to go. You're shooting at a non-moving target. 
Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. I'm over it. You can't. We're not. Shoot. Go go hunt in the wild. But there, but there is skill involved in that. So you would keep. I'm asking this for real. You would keep race walking over archery, even though archery is like one of the first skills the human race ever had to learn to provide for itself. I think it's the only reason it's still an Olympic sport, right? Is this the reason I mean, you just as gave. it should <laughs> be? <laughs> oh, when was the last time you foraged for for deer with the bow? I mean, yeah. let's let, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Did like you Winter Olympics and the cross with it with the bow and arrow. No, you didn't. But I mean, let, let's like if we're thinking Olympics as a whole, let's think of the Winter Olympics. Why does the cross country skiing have anything to do with like oh, shooting a target whoa, with whoa, a BB whoa, gun? Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, no, no. don't talk about biathlon. <laughs> First of all, it's not a BB gun. It's a 22. Second of all, have you ever tried that? That's hard as hell. You got to be skiing 10K. Have you, you ever tried archery? Also hard as hell. <laughs> yes. High school gym class. It's, it's trash. How did you do? Terrible. Probably shot, you probably <laughs> shot one on the other side of your school. Like. <laughs> Actually, what I did was when, when, the, when the arrow went through the knock, the, uh, the fin just tore my, my, uh, my thumb right open. Because I, I, I didn't, mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hold. I can remember. I just is bringing back bad memories, Tim. I get, I, I didn't hold my thumb all the way down on top of the bow like I should have. I had my thumb up, and when I released the knock, the arrow went right through, and it cut my thumb wide open. All right, so Sam cut his thumb on a bow and arrow, and he tore his buttocks <laughs> speed walking. So, if you want a snapshot of Sam as an athlete, there you go. <laughs> This is the exact reason why I'm doing podcasts and not competing. Those who can't do coach. Podcast. Those who can't coach podcasts. Podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totes my goats. Uh, that's amazing. All right, Sam, I can never let you live that down. I don't Ever. care. It's fantastic. I have my seventh place medal from the year 2001, yeah. and I don't really care what you think about it. I was a decent race walker, and now – even though I don't race walk wherever I go, I have a long stride anyway. So people are like, yo, yeah. can you slow down? Cause you're walking kind of fast. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, listen, but am I race walking? <laughs> no, cause your, your butt would be wobbling. You look like a pen. It's like a penguin walk. <laughs> uh, listen, before we depart, I have to show you something. Hold on. All righty. trash this guy this guy's trying to take me down race walking is difficult and all the podcast listeners that are out here you if you've ever tried race walking it is not easy it is very fucking difficult and embarrassing oh look at the dk <laughs> Metcalf jersey um i'm a man of my words you. <laughs> it's it's a it's a medium uh loose fit uh yeah, maybe she got a schmedium there, bud. <laughs> Look at that. That's a beaut. <clears throat> Some man my word. Um, you gotta admit that 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 the uh the action green and, and the navy is just, it's a it's a super good color combo. Really I is. Mean, I, I mean we'll we'll see. Um I'm a man of my no- word. I will wear this sucker on the first day of Preseason, mm. that podcast, and a picture will go up. Very Probably excited, means. very excited. Actually, you know, since okay, it's just a good way to wrap up this this episode of the Sass America podcast. Tim obviously learned a lot about me. I learned a lot about Tim. Clearly, nothing's more embarrassing than the things that I put on this podcast tonight. But uh, <laughs> are you going to go to any NFL games this year? 
Are you going to see the Patriots games? Are you going to try so, and like mortgage your house and like go see Tom Brady? So here's, here, here's, to here's, Fox, no, no. So here's the thing. I have a weird relationship with live events, right? Like when I'm there, I can't help but think of, wow, I could see this so much better if I was at home on my couch, <laughs> right? Like, uh, <laughs> like I love being at live events. I really do. But I tend to like pay more attention to the people who aren't paying attention to the game. You know, you got those, you know, individuals in front of you who are just playing on their phone and Instagramming and TikToking or whatever. They won't be doing that shit after a pandemic. Uh, They won't be doing that at all. They'll be like focusing completely. No, they won't. They just want to be there. I could have caught that. They just want to be there to say that they're going to be there. Um, And the same thing with, I mean, football being there during like big plays. So when I was in college, uh, one of the f- fundraisers we did uh, a couple times a year is we would go down to Gillette. We would vend beer and food for the entire first half of the the game, and then we would donate all the proceeds to charity. And you could make a shit ton of money doing that, by the way. If anybody's looking for something to do on a Sunday, become a vendor at Gillette. You can make several hundred dollars in in, in one uh in like that first half of the game if you're motivated enough but you get a little badge that you can kind of like roam around the stadium and watch from wherever you want uh afterwards so like being there for those events was really cool but i would rather be home sitting next to like my buddies or you know family and friends um sitting with a concert every time i go to a concert i like I'm the guy who's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Am I supposed to be up dancing? But then the people behind me can't see like am I what is What's going on here? Am I supposed to like white girl dance? Am I supposed to get into it? No, uh, shout out to race walk. That's what you're supposed to uh, do. Shout out to Deidre Tripp, uh, who got me tickets for my 21st birthday to see Maroon 5. Uh, and it went. Um, There's still a thing, you know. It went bad, I'm going to say. What, so this dancing? is when they were, this is, they were small. They're playing at a college venue. And I think like the Pussycat Dolls or something was opening for them who were even smaller at the time. Like Maroon 5 was. Super, like not songs underground, for, but whatever. Songs for Jane or songs about Jane. Had to come <sighs> out, anyway, um, yeah. So we had drinks on the way down. Uh, some things happened at I the event. I know where this is going. Yeah, uh, some things happened at the event. Um, I woke up at one point, um, like two a.m., ready to go to the concert. It was over. <laughs> Yeah, if that, if that tells you anything, I'm like, oh, we're late. I got we got to get ready to go. And they're like, no, 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 Tim, it already happened. Believe us, it already happened. Um, where I almost fell to my peril. Um, I may have given uh, an unsanctioned dance to somebody who enjoyed it, um, but the person next to them did not. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so I have a love hate relationship with uh, concerts and live events because I. Um, I don't know. I would rather be home because you make poor decisions with alcohol. That's it. That's what it sounds like. Uh, Hey, hey, I was 20 years old. 20, uh, sorry, 21 (laughs) years old. I was 21 years old. old. Um, 21 years old. Yep. Yeah. No, um, I'll probably try to go to a Red Sox game or two. But as far as getting into Gillette, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like the idea of being there for a game. But I'd have to splurge and make like the tickets worth it. I'm not trying to sit in the nosebleed section and then wonder like, 
the jersey of the name um uh, the the name on the back of the jersey of whoever it is that made a play where you're like who is that guy and then you watch most of it on the replay anyway it's like going here's a good analogy love going to bruins games love going to the bruins games but if you're too close to the glass or if you're too far upstairs you end up watching most of the game on the, the jumbotron or if you go to a fight for example i went to a lomachenko fight two years ago uh got really cool seats up on the balcony it was all closed off we got to see sit by ourselves we had this little tv screen in front of us you the projector I was just far enough away i watched almost most of it on the projector on the jumbotron and on the little tv in front of me still cool to be there yeah. But I was like, ah, I could be doing this with like a couple of free beers at home or, you know, something along those lines. So it'd be cool to be there. Uh, pro tip, if you do go to a Bruins game, get center ice balcony seats as close to the front as you can. It's the best seat in the house because you literally look down and you have the bird's eye view of the entire stadium or the entire rink. Uh, if you go there and you try and ball out and get like the loge seats or the ones that are really close to the glass end up missing a lot of the game because when the puck is too close to the wall, you have a shoot of glass and then an actual wall. And then people you there, you have to look yeah. up on the, the jumbo trying to see it. So yep. the higher you get, the better in hockey. So get balcony seats, middle ice, uh, in one of the few front rows, chef kiss, save yourself $300 <laughs> for the, the, the pair of tickets and you're good. Uh, speak of the Bruins, they even up the series against the Capitals, uh, and the Seas actually won in the playing tournament. I uh, saw that. Oh, thank I, God! Because we had talked about it, they had a fucking screwed the pooch, and it bounced uh, out. I have zero, zero faith in the uh, the Celtics. Bruins, on the other hand, they got a fighting chance, but the Celtics. Sorry, guys, you just delayed your vacation by a couple of days. <laughs> we 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 will we will. We will push that conversation to another episode of the Stats of Matter podcast. But yes, sir. I, I will finish this up by saying this. Schedule came out. NFL teams allowing fans in the stands. Seattle is coming to Landover. They're playing a primetime game versus the Washington football team. I'm going to go to that. And then they're also playing a Sunday night football game against those damn Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know if you know this, but when I go to Heinz Field, the Steelers don't win the game. Chelsea and I went to go catch a, uh, a Seahawks-Steelers game a couple years ago. Seahawks won by a few points. Went back like a little bit later in the year. Caught a, a Sunday night football game against the Bills. They lost. So I'm going to make this third time the charm. I'm batting 1,000 right now. Pretty excited about seeing the Seahawks <laughs> and the Steelers because I think the game will be different this time around. I am really looking forward. I was like on StubHub looking at tickets, and there was like, all right, you're in the 500 section. I'm like, okay, and? And they're like, well, there are other tickets available. I'm like, yeah, and? Don't really give a shit. I don't care if I'm behind the end zone because I'm going to see the kicks go through the net or a touchdown happen in front of me. I don't care if I'm in the 500 sections. I have to look down at the field because I'm watching a live football game with other people. I get to pay $13 for a shitty hot dog and $17 for a Bud Light. Yes. Yeah. Bring me back country roads. Let's go. So, very I did, happy I did, about it. I did forget the one thing I will be doing is going to a lot of uh, uh, Yard Goats games, which is the AAA baseball team. In town. Uh, sort of like the uh, Sea Dogs, Dogs. And Sox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brand new stadium. Great little facility. Good little team. So, 
I will be there as much as I can for that. Um, told guys at work have season tickets, and they know my son is obsessed with baseball. So better stop him from running on that field and trying to catch those uh, catch those ground balls like he's catching frogs. I will tell the go, man. That kid is a superstar. It took him to the. <laughs> I was expecting you to say that. I, I gave you a softball question, and we're ending here. I gave you the softball question. Like, oh, what Olympic sport would you put in? I expect you to say frog catching because your son is catching frogs that look like fucking Furbies, Beanie that Babies, was, Teddy Bears, my Kia wife Souls. Was, my <laughs> wife was petrified of that thing. It had human that hands. It was massive. It was a hubcap. Good. Uh, and unfortunately, like that was the biggest frog we had ever seen in car. And then we went to the aquarium in uh mystic the next day or on monday and uh yesterday actually Mm. uh and they have this everglades setup now that they're building out that first of all i don't know who was in charge down there but i think you made a mistake because there's quite a few frogs there that were all the same size as the frog that we found like legitimate bullfrogs in the water i shit you not was like a thousand thousand Massive tadpoles. What are you gonna do when you have a thousand frogs in this tiny place that's the size of like two living rooms attached them together? Into the wild, so yeah. chaos. Yeah, it was. I was like, "Oh, look at that frog! Oh, look at that frog! Oh, these are cool! Oh my god, they're huge!" And then I was like, "Wait a second! All those tadpoles that are under the water? Like, if you just stop for a second and look, already started counting them. Dead look! Dead look! Dead look!" And I started like bolt counting them. I'm like, oh shit. There's like <laughs> 300 hundreds of tadpoles here <laughs> that are going to turn into frogs. This is going to be the loudest place on the planet at some point. Like, what are you going to do? Round them up and like ship them out of there? Like, I don't. Mm. There's going to come a point where they're all going to become frogs. And it's going to be like during the day while everyone's working, you're not paying attention. And then at night, it's just gonna sound blah, 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 and just nonstop. <laughs> no. Four hundred frogs making the same. This fucking is what noise. it's gonna sound like, Tim. It's gonna sound like bud. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And all let's right. close there it up with that. <laughs> Thank you all very much for listening to this episode of the Stats Matter Podcast. We appreciate the love and support. Like, share, subscribe, download, give us a rating, find us wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you all next week. Later, folks. Peace.